Welcome to the seventh episode of Chimera Diaries. So the weather right now is hot, and I'm hoping that you all have a sunny afternoon too, because we're certainly making use of this sunny afternoon to do our laundry. Anyway, hello to anyone listening. Let's talk about one of my favorite topics: Studio Ghibli, the legendary studio from Japan, where Hayao Miyazaki hails. If you haven't heard of this studio, shame on you. Wait, though, just joking. Really, it's hard not to hear though about Studio Ghibli, especially with its selection of movies available in Amazon Prime, Netflix, sometimes Disney, etc. I'd be really surprised if people aren't a little knowledgeable about it. Before we get to our main topic, though, let's talk about the phenomenal Studio Ghibli for a bit. On that note, I actually found this movie when Netflix started airing Ghibli, and I've watched multiple times since. I just love the genre and the story. So, what is Studio Ghibli? It's an animation or film studio found in Japan, and also a household name that has reached many countries. This studio was first established on the 15th of June 1985 in Tokyo, Japan. The founders Yasuyoshi Tokuma, Toshio Suzuki, Izao Takahata, and Hayao Miyazaki. These four have made and enriched not only the anime industry but also the film industry. Ghibli has produced many movies that have influenced the media worldwide and be- Became a joy for children and a topic for men to discuss and study. From the beloved Totoro, this studio has made magic real. Although I only really engaged in Ghibli when I was in high school, some of my classmates actually asked if I knew about Spirited Away and House Moving Castle because it was often on Disney. But I, we have no cable. I haven't able to watch that. So yeah, only in high school. So, Hayao Miyazaki, one of its founders, has become a face of the studio along with a titular fluffy giant Totoro. This man is either famous or infamous, but nobody can deny the masterpieces he has made. Also, salute to this man, he has numerous times retired but then came back to direct more fabulous works. But let's talk about a movie Miyazaki made before Ghibli's inception. A movie almost exactly one year before Ghibli came to life. Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind was initially released on 11th of March 1984. This was the movie that launched Ghibli. Technically, it's not a movie under the Ghibli name, but Nausicaa is as good as one with Hayao Miyazaki at its helm. This was also a manga of the same title that Miyazaki made, with seven complete volumes from February, ni- February 1982 to March 1994. I discussed the manga, but I haven't read it yet, so let's stick to the movie. It's a sci-fi fantasy with limit with limitless potential that, from what I know, has been extended in the manga. Uh, the movie ended perfectly, but from what I know, Miyazaki, like I said, Miyazaki extended it up, up until the end where there are numerous plot points being uncovered, numerous twists that you never expected, and 
actually took a dark turn. Nausicaa is probably, well, most likely, one of my favorite animated films, although the first movie I watched was Spirited Away. Why? Because Nausicaa is an idea that speaks to you. Ghibli has a reputation for their whimsical magic in their movies, something so real but also fantastic in its concepts. Every Ghibli movie feels alive, like it's someplace, somewhere, somewhen that could exist and you could live in. Despite the Oscars only awarding Spirited Away, the ideas present in Ghibli movies are all deep as it is fun. Nausicaa is the start of Ghibli's legacy in that regard. So, we're going to focus on Nausicaa this time. But next time, I'm actually going to focus on other non-Ghibli films that are also amazing. Okay, so, let's go to Nausicaa. It starts off as simple. Yupa, or Lord Yupa, is an old man that has ventured out into the world, a solitary figure at first. But this is not his story. I'm amazed at how much Miyazaki has been able to show and condense in this two-hour-long film. There are a lot of visual cues that really show the potential that Ghibli is known for. The story is set in a futuristic and post-apocalyptic world where humanity is scattered and there are major threats like the toxic forest and the gigantic bugs that roam the land, also known as Oms. Oms. I don't know the right pronunciation. So when you get that premise, the villains or foes are clear-cut. Wrong. Not Mainly, it's wrong. So, so wrong. Yupa is a respected man in the Valley of the Wind, where the titular character Nausicaa resides. A princess, beautiful and hopeful, and has a way with wild beasts. Almost like a Disney princess, right? Nope. Again. This movie... Well, there are no... Like I said, there are no clear-cut villains. Or heroes, not really. Although we do follow Nausicaa's trail. But before we go to more, let's have a little break. So the movie starts with this, a village of people that Yupa has once visited, all dead due to the Sea of Decay or the Toxic Forest. But what is the Sea of Decay or the Toxic Forest? Made up of a mixture of flycheon, large trees, mushroom-like things, and other fungi basically. The gas that the Toxic Forest emits are deadly. That's the main reason why it's called the Toxic Forest or the Sea of Decay. So yeah, hence the toxic in its name. The thing is, the, to- the forest not only kills you with its toxic air, but it also decomposes you if you stay in it too long. The scene makes a depressing picture. I don't know how anyone can classify this kind of animation as childish, honestly. 
or something not worth your time but let's not get into that kind of argument okay so then the scenes shift and through tapestries and shots we learn the history of this destroyed land the tapestries details are mysterious at first and then you realize that they're not just designs but art that depict the history of this new mankind from how the industrialized civilization we live in is destroyed to the mistakes of humanity the giant insects the ohms the toxic forest to the rebuilding and enduring culture of the people left then the last figure in the tapestry a person robed in blue and adorned with wings then we're meeting our protagonist or titular character Nausicaa We see her from a bird's eye view atop a flying vehicle, a glider, as she flies around to then land in front of a large sea of decay, a toxic forest. Just from the start of the film, my cat is bothering me, sorry. So just from the start of the film, there are a lot of visual cues, a lot of visual storytelling happening. That you'll need numerous rewatches to see it all ghibli is a great is great at that you see large swaths of desert patches of the sea of decay along with large human-like stone statues sunk in sand if you watch a ghibli movie you should be warned because there are a lot of happening in the background so the toxic forest or the sea of decay is a major deterrent to humanity's growth. But Nausicaa from the very start is adventuring inside. She's getting samples from these deadly spores. The thing is the inside of this forest was beautiful, otherworldly, ethereal, whatever adjective you use. They were a whole ecosystem it seemed. If I was Nausicaa, I'd probably do the same thing. Inside this forest are also said giant bugs, but interestingly enough, they're docile, almost friendly. When she sees a giant ohm exoskeleton, her first reaction isn't fright, it's joy, excitement even. The scene is very symbolic. The scene is very symbolic, like I said, just like our first view of Nausicaa. So Nausicaa approaches the empty shell with a happy, satisfied air. It was another resource. Yeah, that's the word. It's another resource for her village. She removes a part of the shell, namely the eye, the covering of the eye. It's a clear glass, gunpowder needed to remove it from its shell since a simple blade didn't work. Nausicaa peers through this ohm's eye and sees white spores falling down like snow. To have Nausicaa do that in animation is a deliberate movie. It tells you that she wants to understand the ohms, wants to see the world through their eyes as the spores from the toxic forest rains down on her. Dangerous? Yes. Symbolic and cinematic genius? Also yes. So that move sets the tone of the movie, the main goal of Nausicaa as a whole. 
But again, let's get to a little more of that later. Actually, no, let's do it now. Okay, so later on, the movie shows Nausicaa calming a raging ohm. Its eyes a bright red to signify its anger. It was charging Lord Yupa, who had fired a gun to save another small creature. By calming in... By calming it, the numerous eyes turn blue. Nausicaa on her glider is seen reflected in the ohm's eye. So the movie is peppered with cues like this, hidden nuggets that tell you more and more what Nausicaa is all about. It's amazing. You can geek out all you want this movie and never be finished. This is why Ghibli movies are talked about, in my opinion. Okay. So having Nausicaa appear in that ohm's eye, it means the ohm acknowledges her, sees her for what she is, for who she is. We later learn that Yupa and Nausicaa are family friends, and as they return to the Valley of the Wind, we see how beloved these two are. We also see how Nausicaa is not just, does not just have affinities with the Ohms, but also the small wild creature that Lord Yupa had saved, which she later named Tato. So, we see how the people of the Valley live. It's a fascinating slew of scenes. The world building is immense, but natural, almost easy to overlook. But that just makes the story more tangible. We see the valley protected by the mountains, the wind, and the sea. There are windmills to draw water, forests to farm in, and they collect insect exoskeleton to be made into tools. It's perfect, idyllic, and peaceful. It's later on that night that we see Nausicaa's father and an elder to the village. They talk about Yupa settling down in the village instead of wandering about. The elder tells that Yupa won't rest because he's searching for something. Here we are treated to the lore of their world. The elder tells of a legend of a chosen one clad in blue robes and walking atop golden fields leading humanity into a beautiful era of safety. The elder tells Nausicaa that the chosen one is what Yupa is looking for, to which he replies that he's looking for the truth of the sea of decay and the like. The point is important, especially with some of the older men having contracted diseases due to the toxic forest despite their valley being safe. It's at this point when night falls that Trouble comes blazing down the valley, literal. In the world of Nausicaa, there are other settlements beside the valley of the wind. The two most important and mentioned kingdoms are Pegite and Tolmachia, bigger than the valley of the wind and geared more to warfare or large trade. These two kingdoms are in conflict with each other and unfortunately the valley is caught in the middle. The airship that crashes in the valley that brings hordes of flying insects with it is a Tolmachian ship that contains the heart of a giant warrior that once destroyed civilization and a Pegite princess hostage. There's a duality that that airship cares which is prevalent in the movie. On one hand, the airship cares an innocent, on the other, it also carries a weapon that once spelled humanity's destruction. And no, I don't mean the giant insects. One of the older men 
actually said perfect representation of the whole movie setting. Fire helps growth, but too much of it just kills. This time doesn't just refer to the burning of the valley's forest, but the burning and destruction of human civilization a thousand years ago. Now, after the wreckage of the airship, with the Pejite princess dead, even with Nausicaa's attempt to save her, the village moves to repair things again. Nausicaa leads away an insect that could have endangered the valley not only for her people but also because she cares. She's a lot like Tanjiro, kind but decisive. She also helps in burials of the dead, Tolmikens, while others clear away the debris and sea of decay spores from their land. There is also a giant beating heart in the cargo which the Pejite princess alluded to before she died, so there's that. A heart that didn't burn despite the heat it endured. Poetic. But this is really fine. Let's discuss more of this on our next episode. And I hope you guys all enjoyed. Also on that note, actually the next episode won't be this week. I'm gonna do it every Friday instead. So the next episode, the second part, will be next week on Friday. So I hope you guys stay and listen still. Bye!